Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, this is Annie for Showreel, Australia's filmmaking show on 3CR. And today we're going to be looking at a film called Frackman. Now, Frackman is a uh, documentary, but uh, it's embedded in this documentary is a little drama, The Life and Times of uh, Dane Pratsky, the Frack Man. Now, Dane is uh, from an area called uh, uh, Chinchilla up in New- in Queensland, just uh, near Tara. And now, uh, he bought himself some land there and uh, started to build himself a house and uh, became member of a community. And uh, suddenly, uh, the, uh, the coal seam gas... Uh, industry began to take over the whole landscape in that area. And uh, the uh, film follows over five years the the work done by the local community to raise people's awareness. Now, uh, they made uh, connections out to uh, lock the gate. They uh, made connections in America. They uh, fought the good fight and brought it out to uh, the community. And part of that whole uh, fight back against coal seam gas industry taking over and destroying the landscape in Australia is the Frackman movie. Now, Frackman movie is actually going to be playing at uh, the Nova on April the 22nd. That's uh, next week at 6.30pm. So you can go down there and show your support by watching this rollicking yarn around, built around the Frackman. Uh, just to show how important this whole issue is, that uh, quite recently, in fact, uh, on uh, the 14th of April, there was a... a, a the world was made aware that the Alice Springs Town Council failed to act to protect local water supplies when it uh, disappointingly, apparently, uh, failed to pass a motion that would protect the town's water supply from the risk of hydraulic fracturing, which is what fracking is officially called. Now, uh, they get their water from Row Creek, Boarfield, and uh, the Northern Territory government considers to be a large exploration target for shale gas. Now, people have been told in uh, country areas that uh, uh, this uh, new form of industry is going to be a new form of uh, renewal for country areas. And uh, as you'll see in the Frackman movie, the disturbing uh, dislocation of a whole community 
when the uh, coal seam gas comes in, when it moves in. Uh, so uh, we'll, I went off and I went and saw the movie myself and uh, I spoke to the filmmaker Richard Todd who collaborated with, with Dane uh, uh, Praxky and producers to uh, get the story out. So let's listen to Richard Todd. How did you get involved in making Frackman? Actually, I read an article in the Margaret River newspaper that was um, talking about the fact that they were thinking about drilling through our local aquifer and um, trying to get coal and coal seam gas out of this aquifer and I just thought wow that doesn't sound real smart and I live on the river in Margaret River so that actually led me to the research. And how did you meet uh, Dane Pratsky? Pratsky, yeah Dane Pratsky. So the timing was quite good because they were actually going to do a protest out of the front of um, Parliament House in New South Wales and I was going over for a very good friend's wedding in the Hunter Valley so I thought, oh, timing's great, I should film that. Ended up the same day as the wedding so I got a cameraman to film it and there was a guy in the Frackman outfit, he filmed him and I said to him, anyone interesting? He said, this guy and that's how I met Dane. So from, from your initial personal uh, idea that you know, this is a really bad idea. Did, did you want to make a film about uh, exposing the uh, short nature, uh, short-sighted nature of uh, coal seam gas, or was that the thing that actually set you off? That you were thinking you were going to make a film, and it was going to be to expose the uh, fundamentally unwise nature of doing coal seam gas. Well, initially. Um it was all about kind of discovering whether it was good or bad, to be honest, because it was actually thrown out to the public as natural gas and it was going to be like the green answer to fossil fuel. So I actually started off not thinking it was going to be that bad. I actually thought it was going to be like, this is really cool. They're bringing this in. Of course, it doesn't make sense to put it through an aquifer, but, you know, if this is this is an answer to, you know, like, burning brown coal this sounds great and that actually led me to the research but once I dug a bit deeper I was like wait actually this is this is not good so uh, you got on board some producers and you decided you're going to make a film that focused on a particular character yeah I've been making documentaries for about 15 years and so all, the only thing that I go for is like a central character that I can get really, I guess, tight with is a good word. And, and then that means that we have to spend a lot of time together because we have to be um, honest enough to be able to reveal the emotional side of our kind of our personal struggles. And so when I met Dane, I actually said, this is going to be two to three years, straight off the bat. You know, we didn't realise it was going to be four and a half to five years, but I just I just said, look, I've just finished the Corby docu... Oh, sorry, I've just finished the Corby um, documentary with Janine Hoskins. That was like three and a half years. And then prior to that, the documentary before that, four years for me, God made them blind. So, you know, I knew what we were in for. And... Um, Dane was up for that. Didn't expect it to be longer than a couple of years he was hoping, but that's the way it worked out. Because if you look at the film, he actually has something that he's particularly fighting for. How did that relate to the timing? I mean, what he was aiming for and the making of the film, mm. did, uh, 
did they both coincide or did they make uh, each other happen? Yeah, good question. I mean, I think Dane realised when he did the 60 Minutes interview that the power actually was in the media. And so when he was thinking about, like, could I make a film? And he started making a film himself, a la Josh Fox, almost like Gasland. Um, because, you know, the story is, of course, a man who's in Tara who's suddenly surrounded by fracking. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a struggle. It's like it's, it is actually the castle story, you know. He, he's there, he owns his plot of land. Someone turns up and goes, well, you don't own, own your plot of land anymore and we're going to take it over. How do you feel about that? And he, and he fought it, obviously. And so that was the beginning of kind of, well, for him, a five-year struggle. So going back to that question, was was it a chicken and egg situation, his struggle, or the film, how did they fit together? Yeah, it was actually, Dane was already on the journey, which makes it, from my perspective, it's, as the actual filmmaker, much more genuine, because he had already started, he'd been into it for a year, and I jumped on the bandwagon after a year, and then went, right, I'm just going to follow you and see what happens, and that hasn't been that, that that's been the opposite that actually has come out in the media the media is actually or certain parts of the media i guess the pro csg side of the media have been saying that it's like a it's not a documentary it's actually a drama you know and it's like well what's drama we followed this guy's character and his life and we followed that all the way through and we filmed it we didn't like wasn't about kind of trying to set up too much no, no, it follows a quite um, relatively predictable arc. I mean, uh, and it's quite nice because he also has his love interest. Uh, how did you? Uh, how did you actually film it? I mean, five, over five years. Uh, how, were there key moments that you knew that you should be there? I mean, because he lives the other side of the country. Yeah, look, there was over 30 trips from Margaret River to Tara Chinchilla, and that means like a day of travelling and the expenses involved, etc. And in the beginning we had no budget, no money, etc. So that was um, critical to the decision-making process, like how do we decide when we go over. But Dane would literally ring me up and go, this is happening, and I'd just go, oh, my God, I've got to go over there right now, like, bang. You know, wife, sorry, I'm going, kids, see you in a week two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and we would just do it. And Dane has a really intuitive understanding of what's important, not only in the campaign, but also what was important from the doco perspective. You know, he's, a, he's actually, he's almost like a filmmaker that wasn't a filmmaker. So he's a man with natural drama. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, yeah, that's a good way to put it. But, yeah, and he's very perceptive and he's, I mean, he's complex and he's interesting and he's smart. So, so... But the media side of it, he realised that that could be a really key issue with regards to whether they won or lost. Now, also, the thing, too, is that um, he's a, a classic for such a film because uh, not only is it an incredibly significant uh, uh, issue, uh, it uh, he is a fantastic uh, a proponent because, one, he's... Uh, uh, he epitomises, and I guess this is what you're aiming for, he epitomises the Australian dream, really, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. And two things there. I think, um, 
you've kind of got the castle issue where it's like, you know, get off my land because I own it or I thought I owned it, which was news to me, seriously. Like when I first heard, heard about the kind of whole Margaret River experience, I was like, what do you mean we can't stop someone coming onto your land and actually mining because... It's, it's, a, it's a crown issue. So well, it's that, kind of fascinating because, I mean, considering that the Aboriginal people were treated exactly the same way and everybody should, for some reason, have uh, failed to understand that it's called crown land, it, we are actually not even a federation, uh, I mean, a, a republic. We are owned by the English yeah, crown. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point, and to be honest, we actually had a really nice indigenous Fred that we wanted to kind of put into the film uh, but unfortunately because of a bunch of circumstances it um, didn't end up in the film because of the character and what was going on uh, but it's a really interesting point it's like here we are talking about the fight between farmland and, and Dane's place and that but prior to that actually no we don't own the land and someone else does a la indigenous and um, how have the companies engage with them they have it totally not totally like it is it's almost sickening the fact that there hasn't been any interact absolutely no interaction between the indigenous community and the mining companies none except for like some placarded kind of here's a guy that's not even from the tribe that comes in that says okay we've we've ticked all these boxes that's fine government says yep Check those boxes, that's fine too. But you talk to the local group that lives there, the mob that owns the country, and they go, no one has spoken to us. It's incredible, isn't it? The whole thing's incredible. I mean, that statement that uh, if you don't fight for this one, uh, there, there's nothing left to fight for. Yeah, that's right. So it's, I reckon it kind of pricks, pricks to the conscious of like the Aussies as far as that goes. It's like, wait a sec. You know, we just saw the asbestos absolute disaster where we go how could have that happened in our history and and it absolutely has and it's like what's next and then we then here we are saying oh yes let's let's say yes to this natural gas and we're about to potentially go into the biggest environmental disaster this country's ever seen if if the science as we perceive it is and and it's all about risk at this stage. We don't know, obviously, but we can have a look at America and go, well, there's some bloody pretty pretty strong signs that there's some evidence. Well, the thing is that we're a very dry country and they're polluting the aquifer, so... Yeah, well, I mean, water's one thing, health's one thing, you know, but also community. You know, like, this this destroys communities. They, they, they will jump in and say it's all on the back of jobs for a, a country town like Chinchilla that was potentially kind of on the wane because they couldn't sell pumpkins or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, of course, you, you have to feel for that side of it where it's like, yeah, my kid's got a job, et cetera, et cetera, but the job's come and gone. It's like five years, bang, gone. And then it's like, what happens? Well, there's this mess to clean up and there's the these hotel rooms that are propped up over this absolute, like, peak of the industry and... Dolby, there was an article a couple of months ago, just no one in the hotels, no one. Um, people have bought these businesses going 100% occupancy, batting people away, 
used to get $98 a night, it's 170 now, and then all of a sudden they're going empty. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. And you're on 3, 3CR with Annie on Showreel. And uh, you might have noticed on the uh, 3CR website that Showreel is now actively being podcast. So if you're interested or want to hear back or tell other people that you heard something interesting, you can always go to the podcast list on 3cr.org.au and you will find Showreel there. Also, if you want to uh, make contact with uh, Showreel, you can go to, you can send an email. You can send it to showreel.3cr at gmail.com. So if you want to send a message, drop us a line, then do so. At the moment, we're talking to Richard Todd, who's the director of Frackman. Now, Frackman is all about uh, Dane Pratsky's fight with his community to try and fend off uh, coal seam gas production around his uh, property in Chinchilla near Tara. Uh, it's going to be shown at the Nova on uh, the 22nd of April. That's a Wednesday, next Wednesday at 6.30pm. It's going to cost you $20. It's a fundraiser for Lock the Gate. It's a very important film, really, in uh, showing people the actual extent of uh, the destruction of country uh, through uh, this uh, supposed new wonder industry, coal seam gas, the last gasp of the uh, fossil fuel industry in Australia, really. Uh, completely destructive. And as I was saying to someone the other day, apparently wind farms are supposed to be an eyesore, but uh, destroying vast uh, mileage of uh, Australian country, leading up to places like... Uh, Right across the country, from uh, Western Australia, right across to the opposite coast, uh, which is supposed to become a wasteland after coal seam gas has finished with its uh, uh, industry and uh, destroying the aquifer, which uh, this dry country relies on. Anyway, we're going to hear the last of the conversation I had with Richard Todd. Uh, the editing phase, the editing phase, it must have been quite extraordinary trying to fit, well, one, you did have a, a, an arc, you already had, you know, uh, a variety of things that happened, you had the battle, uh, how did you go about editing? Oh, look, it was a really, the editing part was where I think the, the movie was made, to be honest, like, obviously, we cap- captured the moments through this relationship between uh, myself and Dane and then when the film crew came in about two years into the, the film via, you know, like Trish Lake and Simon Nash as it became a bigger entity but to be honest the editing process was really, really tough we had um, a guy called Axel Grigor who's a Brisbane based um, editor who was fantastic and, 
he just put so much time into this film. Like, I mean, dedicated. The not Forget about eight hours or ten hours. He was like, you know, 15, 16 hours, and he just put so much work into it. Then it went from there to we had a couple of complications with the storyline. We went over to New York, and we were um, filming... Sorry, we were editing uh, with the New York crew. New editor, come back to Australia third editor called Scotty and so it was very complicated from that perspective but um, the vision was always the same you know and the three editors that were involved all were um, director kind of editor kind of people so they were not only cutting they were like cutting thinking Right. Uh, now, you mentioned the fact that it became a bigger de- entity. Uh, how did you get more money to make it a bigger, de- bigger entity? So three production companies were involved, and that involved New South Wales all of a sudden through Smith and Nash, Simon, Simon Nash and Dick Smith. And then um, that was... Uh, actually, ABC were really interested in the program, and, and they kind of said, who are you going to talk to that's got like a journalistic background? I said, oh, look, Janine Hosking would be a good call, or Simon Nasht, I like him, I trust him, and so they're both great filmmakers, and they said, yep, we'd be happy with them. Janine couldn't do it, Simon was busy, but he said yes. ABC then said no, because it became very prickly for, you know, it just became prickly for well, everyone. Well, I was going to say, uh, money from government sources, and it's actually a go- government are in, in sites, aren't they? Yeah, of course, and so that makes it... Um, I mean, we're always about the conversation and the debate, but, of course, that's got to be, you know, like, hard hard for the for the agencies. But um, true to form, they actually went for freedom of speech and just said, you know, this is about a... It's about a story um, that needs to be told. We've checked out the creative team. We've got faith that they can return, and, and it's an important film... And we're not judging it from the fact that, you know, the government money kind of funds us. So that was really cool. And and I think it showed that freedom of speech is still alive in this country, which is very cool. But having said that, it was um, very brave of Screen Queensland and Screen West and Screen Australia to back it because they knew that they were going to come into, obviously, like, you know, potentially pro-mining governments that are helping to fund this and obviously when the media came out part of that debate was about should the the taxpayer be paying for something that they were calling kind of you know like anti-CSG propaganda unfortunately a lot of those comments came out before people had even seen the film which is a bit disappointing because I think if you're going to go out and say something as, as brash as that watch the film and then you know, then have you have a comment that I could kind of react to, but the fact that people were making those comments prior to seeing the film and only on the basis of a two-minute trailer, I mean, it's actually it's a bit farcical. Well, Dane does call himself the accidental uh, um, activist, which I guess, and that thing about being anti-mining, he actually categorically said that he he's not anti-mining. It was really an issue, that, and that's actually the strength of the movie, isn't it? Well, I think early days, one of the really important things for me was to find a non-activist, because if I'd 
had some greenie that was, you know, locking themselves to a tractor. And I think there's a time for that too if, it, if, it, if it's something that a person feels passionate about. Um, but if I did have that as a central character, it would be just so flobbed off, like as just, oh, yeah, this is a, exactly what certain people have said, propaganda movie, you know, pushing the green agenda. So I actually wanted to find a story about a ordinary bloke, you know, and how he was affected if someone comes up and just basically threatens his castle. And that's, that's actually what the story's about. It's, it's not about whether fracking chemicals are there or not. That's where we started out thinking it was, and hence the opening scene. We thought it was about that, but over four and a half years we realised it wasn't. It was about, like, who actually has the right to say, I can control your land after you've bought it? I mean, it's, it is a classic castle scenario. Mind you, it is a very interesting. You do have some um, scenes in it that uh, show uh, quite clear um, that uh, the government a- authorities and the uh, companies aren't necessarily being uh, totally honest. Yeah, and there, there has been changes. Oh, like, sorry, there has been changes of government, so, so we have to be careful re- kind of who we, you know, what well, we weren't trying to point the finger at all we're just going this is the way it happened and you make your own decision really but um, as far as that goes I guess the thing that's really important for me as a filmmaker is that um, there has to be really independent baseline studies done that's just that's just it like have a look at that monk ball scene where the monks say okay the gas coming out of a bore. This never happened. This has never happened. So why is this happening? So you can talk to a geologist and they go, okay, gas comes out of bores. It's a, it's a natural occurring thing. So the only way you can work out whether that was actually occurring because of coal seam gas or whether it was naturally occurring is if you have a baseline study. So they actually have to go to that bore two years before coal seam gas starts and go, this is the way the geology works right now, this is the way the hydrology works right now, here's a bunch of chemical samples, blah, blah, blah. Because that doesn't occur, there's no way to know who is responsible for the fact that you can now light the monk's bore, but you couldn't two years ago. And uh, we'll conclude our uh, interview with uh, Richard Todd there. As I said, if you want to hear the entire amount, you can uh, go to, uh, uh, well, well, it's hardly hardly any more that needs to be said, really. If you want to go and see uh, Frackman, you should. It's a very clever film and it uh, gives gives you an idea, an inside idea of what it's like for a community member to fight back when it comes to coal seam gas. There's also some very interesting stuff with uh, the uh, connections they make with uh, Lock the Gate and uh, the advice that the Lock the Gate man gives, which is uh, make sure that they don't get in there, uh, lock your gates before they actually arrive. But anyway, coming up next is uh, um, a published or not. Uh, and uh, if you want to see Frackman, get down to Nova at 6.30pm April the 22nd. It's $20 because it's a fundraiser. And if you want to do an advanced booking, www.tugg.com forward slash events 
forward slash 15247. That's com forward slash events forward slash 15247. Uh, you can also find out more about the Frackman movie by going to their Facebook. Uh, uh, fabulous stuff. Uh, tune in next week uh, for uh, more Australian films and uh, the people that make them. We'll go out with Clarion Call from Mark Barridge. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.